Hi, I'm Tyler Saltzi, pastor of Grace Bible Fellowship in Peru, Illinois. Our mission at Grace Bible Fellowship is to magnify the glory of the triune God in Christ Jesus by proclaiming God's word to advance the gospel in our lives and the world. We base who we are and what we do on the good news of Jesus. If you would like to find more information about Grace Bible Fellowship, you can visit our website at www.gbfperu.org. I'm so thankful you've come here to listen to God's Word proclaimed as we seek to understand it and be transformed by it. I hope you find this time meaningful, challenging, convicting, joyful, and even life-changing as we worship through the preaching of God's Word. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm excited this morning. I'm excited because I get to sit where you're seated for once and uh, be fed. And so I am looking forward to being fed this morning from God's Word, from a competent expositor, preacher, pastor. Uh, Dr. Tim Beavis has been a pastor, a church planter for many years, and now he serves as a vice president of operations for Cary International Pastoral Training. And that means that he travels all over the globe to train pastors uh, there in those various countries to serve the local church, build up the local church body to strengthen the church. And that is a great need in our day. Uh, Dr. Beavis can share on the statistics as far as how many pastors there are around the world who don't have any formal pastoral theological training whatsoever. And so uh, Tim is going to some very difficult places with his team because everywhere needs the gospel. Everywhere needs the gospel. And I'm thankful that I've gotten to know Tim just a little bit uh, in my time with the Chicagoland Gospel Network there, was introduced to him there, got to hear about his work that he is doing. Uh, thankful for like-minded pastors, like-minded brothers who I can uh, fellowship with and meet. And so, so thankful for Tim and for his life and for uh, his ministry. You'll notice when he comes up here, uh, he's not from around these parts. <laughs> he grew up in England, Cornwall area, I believe. Uh, and so uh, you'll hear that a little bit, although he says that some of his accent now has been gone, but you'll, you'll be able to pick it up still a little bit, I think. So that'll be good. We're looking forward to hearing from God's word this morning. Tim, would you come bring the word for us? joy it is to be uh, here with you this morning. I'm so very thankful for this uh, privilege to be able to spend some time opening God's Word together with you. As uh, you've just heard, uh, I serve the Lord as a part of a, a, a team uh, with Cary International Pastoral Training. We are on the ground in uh, around about 20 locations across 15 countries currently uh, serving every year in training uh, in excess of 600 pastors uh, around the world, and uh, it's just a, a, a humbling privilege that I have to be a part of investing in the global church. And uh, I want to encourage you, even before we dive into God's Word together this morning, uh, God is on the move. The name of Jesus is being lifted high. He is working, He is calling people out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And just as Jesus promised, the gates of hell are not prevailing, whether it be in the Middle East 
or whether it be in East Asia, or whether it be in Central Africa, the name of Jesus is being glorified and lives are being changed. And that's good news. And it's good news because we know that to be true because those of us who are in Christ can testify even to that in our own hearts, can't we? You know, it's very common that people will talk about God's blessing. Uh, People will talk about God's blessing in a whole lot of different environments. Sometimes when uh, we are praying for another person, we might pray, and God, would you bless this person? Uh, At other times, somebody sneezes, and uh, we hear someone say, God bless you. Uh, Whenever we listen to a political speech or when the president stands up and as he finishes what he's saying, he usually will end with the words, and God bless these United States of America. Well, we hear people talking about blessing all the time, and if you have had the misfortune of turning on the television and finding some of the TV preachers that you will find there, you have probably noticed that they will frequently be talking about God's blessing, and usually it's associated with sending them money. But you know, as a ministry, as we work in various different places around the world, we are working in uh, heavily Islamic environments, seeking to train and encourage pastors and believers and strengthen the church in the midst of that very hostile environment. We're working in Hindu uh, nations and communities, in Buddhist nations and communities. We're working in regions and and, and countries where uh, the church is living under the persecution and the oppression of communist regimes. But we're also working in places around the world, and sadly, they are many, where there are is false teaching that is widely prevalent. And perhaps the most insipid form of that that we see in places around the world right now is what is sometimes called the prosperity gospel. And this prosperity gospel is really an utter departure from the truth of God's Word, a near complete rejection of the sinfulness of humanity, a doing away or at least making a, as periphery the idea of the substitutionary atonement of Christ and the need of salvation in him alone, and instead an elevation of this idea of a material wealth or benefit that comes usually by keeping a set of legalistic demands as advocated by the preacher. In fact, one of the places that we work is in Uganda, and this is such an issue in the nation of Uganda that government officials are talking about closing down every single church in the country that doesn't have a formally trained pastor because the spiritual abuses that they have seen coming out of this are so great. And so we have pastors there 
who are seeking to be faithful, who are crying out for training, saying, will you come and equip us? Not only do we have a hunger, not only do we need it, but because we long to see the church continue here in this land, and it can't without training. They, in Uganda, like many other places around the world, uh, are in a place where nine out of ten churches are led by pastors who have never had even a single day of Bible training. And so whether it be in the well-meaning prayers of a believer, uh, whether it be in the speeches of a politician, or at times whether it be in false teachers who are twisting and distorting, the truth of the matter is that talking about God's blessing is something that we are kind of surrounded by. But what exactly is God's blessing? Interestingly enough, I think that even atheists who would say uh, that they adamantly reject the existence of God would still admit, but if he does exist, I'd sure like him to bless me. Well, we know that God's blessings are great and numerous, and they are far beyond even what we could call to mind right now. But as we open God's Word together this morning to Psalm 67, Uh, What we are going to uh, see together is is a right response to the blessing of God. But we're we're going to, in a sense, uh, identify and discover, is it right for us to seek God's blessing? Why does God bless his people? What is the, the purpose of his blessing? And how are we, as a blessed people, to rightly live? So if you have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to join me there, Psalm 67, as you're making your way there. Let me just uh, uh, let you know that this is probably a, a, a song, a hymn, a psalm of worship that was in particular sung around harvest time. We'll see that towards the end of the psalm. Uh, it was one of the songs, one of the hymns of the, of the people of Israel And what we're going to see as we unfold it together is that the purpose of God's blessing his people is that the nations may know and praise him. If you look with me, beginning at the uh, the superscript of uh, of the psalm, it says, to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song, and then our our verse 1 reads, may God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. We'll stop there and uh, consider these first three verses and the beginning verse, verse 1, may be somewhat familiar to us. You see, the psalm, uh, the psalmist here prays that God would bless his people with divine favor. And it may sound somewhat familiar because it has echoes of the Levitical or the Aaronic priestly blessing that we read about in Numbers chapter 6. Uh, there uh, to, uh, to Aaron and his descendants. They're given a blessing to declare over the nation, over the people of Israel. May the Lord bless you 
and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance towards you and give you peace. And it seems that here at the beginning of this psalm, it begins with a petition and it has that echo of that priestly blessing to it. And so we see, may God be gracious to us and bless us. So I asked a few moments ago a question that, quite frankly, some of us may have pondered at different times. Is it right? Am I allowed to ask for God's blessing? And I think the answer here is is, is yes. Absolutely, it is appropriate, but we need to understand the purpose of God's blessing. And here as they are making this request, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us. This idea of of God's face shining upon the, the countenance of the Lord being turned toward his people. It literally is speaking of this idea of a divine favor. A, a attentiveness of his presence. Now, we know, of course, that God is, is present with his people always. But there is a sense in which it is saying, oh, God, would you, would you draw near? Oh, God, would you pay attention? Oh, God, would you look and would you see? Would you show us favor? And we see this word selah, and you may be familiar with the fact that this is a term we find frequently in the Psalms, and quite frankly, we don't know what it means. Uh, uh, We think that it's some sort of Hebrew musical term, perhaps indicating a rest of some sort, but its full meaning has been somewhat lost to us. But it continues on uh, after after this petition, uh, this blessing of God is, is, is called upon that the people are seeking it is not simply for themselves, but in order that the nations might come to know God. We see that in verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among the nations. You know, way back in the book of Genesis, when uh, God calls Abraham and sets him apart, he says to him, I will bless you and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through your offspring, through your seed. And we know that ultimately the, the, the fulfillment of that is in Christ himself, who is of the lineage and the line through Abraham. But you see, while the ultimate fulfillment of that is seen in the, in the glorious person of Jesus Christ... It's also true that Abraham himself and later on the nation of Israel were set apart as a chosen people for a specific purpose. And their purpose was that they would not only know God and worship God, but through their intimacy of relationship with God, that they would be a light to the nations. The idea of their calling was that, yes, they would have this fellowship with God, but as they experienced the blessings of God, as they experienced the supremacy of the life that is lived in fellowship with their Creator, that all of the surrounding people were supposed to be able to look at them and say, wow, What's so different about those people? 
Look at the way that they worship. Look at the way that they live. Look at how distinct they are. Look at their God. And through their lives, through their worship, the nations were to be drawn to the knowledge of Yahweh, the true and living God. Just as it was said to Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So that was a part of the intended way in which their blessing was to bless the surrounding nations. You see, the purpose of God's blessing is so that the nations might know him and then in knowing him might respond to who he is by praising and and by worshiping him. Now, one of the things we have to understand that lies behind this, and we see all through the pages of Scripture, is that God does all things for his own praise and glory. And so when in verse 3 it says, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you, God blesses his people that they might in turn worship him. And that makes perfect sense because all that God does, he does for his own glory. And he is utterly glorious. Now that seems at times a little strange to us. But when we read it, for example, in the pages of Scripture about the magnificence of our God, about the worthiness of our God to be worshipped, and then we come across passages where it talks about the fact that He is a jealous God, where we read about the fact that you are to have no other gods beside me. We might at times be tempted to think, well, God's kind of insecure, we might at times be tempted to think, well, you know, he's, uh, he, he, he obviously is, is, is kind of worried. No, that's, that's not why we read that. When we come to Isaiah 42, 8, for example, and it declares, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. The reason that God is jealous for his own glory is because there is no other like him. There is no other who is deserving of praise and adoration and worship. He alone is God. He alone is holy, holy, holy. And when we ascribe to any other the worship that is due only rightly to God, Or worse still, when we take his blessings and pat ourselves on the back, we seek to steal the glory that only rightly belongs to him. And so when this talks about the fact that that there is a blessing that takes place, that when there is a, a, a petition, God, would you be gracious to us and bless us? Would you show us your divine favor that your way may be known on the earth, that your saving power may be known among the nations? Let all the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. That is the motivation of a right heart. Uh, that instead of having, God, would you bless us so that we would be blessed? God, would you bless us so that we would have stuff? 
there is the recognition of the fact that God does all things for his glory, and therefore whenever God works on behalf of his people, the end goal of that is his own glory, and it is right. It is right that his people would turn back all that they receive from the Lord in adoration and worship, and that the nations might see that and themselves be drawn. What a wonderful truth that though God is utterly glorious, though he does all things for his own glory, though all his ways are right and just and perfect, God has chosen, God has chosen to, uh, to glorify himself in a way that brings blessing to his people. God could, God could glorify himself in whatever way he chose, but he delights to glorify himself in a way that brings blessing to his people. And when his people rightly respond in worship and praise, when they recognize that he is the source of their blessing, every good and perfect thing comes from him. The nations, the surrounding people, the unbelieving neighbors and co-workers may perhaps take note and his saving power may be seen among the nations. For the people of Israel, a part of this, of course, of their testimony was the saving powers. God brought them out of captivity in Egypt. And the testimony of the powerful working of God as he released them from that slavery, from that captivity, as he brought them into the promised land, guiding them through the wilderness all those years. And of course, for us today, we understand that the, the ultimate fulfillment of his saving power is expressed through, through Christ and in which we have another freedom from captivity, a different kind of captivity, that captivity of, of sin, that we are purchased out of that and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. But there's a problem. You see, he is glorified through his loving and generous acts toward his people. He is, he is glorified when his people respond to him, recognizing that their blessings are from him, and he is glorified when his people point others to him as the glorious Lord. But the problem with the people of Israel was this. Ancient Israel who were supposed to enjoy the rich blessings of God and use them for the sake of the surrounding nations, lost sight of their calling. They lost sight of their calling. They began to see the blessings of God as a point of pride and boasting. They began to believe that the blessings of God belonged to them purely for their own utilization. They began to assume that they could live for their own glory and still count on God's blessing. They lost sight of their calling to be a light to the nations. We see this all through the Old Testament. And if we're honest, that's precisely what much of today's church has also done. You see, we assume that God blesses us for our own sake. 
we assume that we can do whatever we like with his blessings. Thank you, Lord, for these blessings. Now they're mine, and I will choose how I will or won't use them. We use his blessings for our own glory and not his. We're quick to look at the things that we have and pat ourselves on the back and say, didn't I work hard? Don't I deserve this? And we look down upon those who do not know and do not follow him, and we criticize them and we condemn them for their lifestyle instead of being a physical, visible representative who puts his glory on display. You know, we are a blessed people. But in the midst of our blessing, sometimes we lose sight of why it is that God has blessed us. May God forgive us for stealing his glory. while we bathe in his blessings. But the psalmist isn't over. He's not finished yet. In verse 4, it continues, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity, and you guide the nations upon the earth. Selah. In verse 5, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. We see that repeated stanza there. And we see here that it is right that the nations should know and praise God, for he sovereignly judges and guides them all. And and so we start off with with this petition of God, God, that you would bless us, that you would show us favor, that the nations might come to know you. And then the psalmist continues, because it is right that they would come to know you. It is right that they would worship you. It is appropriate because of the greatness of who you are. And, and, and I love this. Uh, in fact, here in particular, it's let the nations be glad and sing for joy. And he, he, he speaks of two reasons for that. Uh, these are reasons why all the nations, why all the people should recognize the greatness of God. First, because you judge the peoples with equity. The psalmist calls on the nations to be glad because he is the sovereign God who judges rightly. Isn't it good to know in the midst of what can often seem like a tumultuous and chaotic world that God rules and reigns, that there is not one square inch of creation where God is not king? As I work in different countries around the world, some of which we have to go in covertly because of the perspective of the governing authorities because of the fear that they have of the gospel and the persecution that is taking place against God's people. It is good to know that even where such atrocities are being committed, that God still reigns, that he is still sovereign, that we have a God who will not leave any unrighteous act unpunished and will not fail to recognize any 
act of righteousness of his people. He knows how to reward. He knows how to reward. Thanks be to God. We see that even in the cross, don't we? The punishment of sin and yet the blessing that flows to those who are made righteous in Christ. He judges the peoples with equity, with fairness, and he guides the nations upon the earth. It's interesting, the Hebrew word that is used here for guidance is used a couple of other times in the Old Testament. One of those is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 38. And I love this because it reminds us that God's guidance of his people is not like, here's a map, figure it out. No, in Genesis 24, 38 is actually the account where, where Abraham sends his servants to find a wife for Isaac. And, and, and he goes and there he, he comes to the well. He finds Rebekah there at the well. And when he realizes that God has answered his prayer, he praises God for the way in which he has led and guided him. It's used again in Exodus chapter 13, 21, as the people of Israel come out of captivity in Egypt, and we are told that the Lord guided them in a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. There is an intimacy, there is a proximity, there is a closeness in this guidance. And here the psalmist is saying it is right that all people everywhere, it is right that the nations should praise God if they would just come to understand that he is the sovereign one who judges justly. And he guides the affairs not only of the nations, but even of us as people. Friends, I don't know what you're going through this day. I don't know what uncertainties you are facing, but let me just simply encourage you. Our sovereign God sees, and he knows. He is active. He is working. He will not leave injustice undealt with. But as you go through whatever it is you're going through, he is guiding you and will lead you by his mighty right hand. And so again, in knowledge of this, the right response is that the peoples would praise you, O God, that all the peoples would praise you. It is good and right that all people should sing for joy to the Lord because of who he is. And then this psalm closes with this. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And we see here that God is indeed faithful in his blessing so that all of the nations may fear him. The psalm ends with what, what seems to be this repetition or this restatement of what we have already seen, this theme of God's blessing. Uh, and the psalmist here first points to the material blessing of God upon the land through a bountiful harvest. I mentioned earlier, this seems to be a harvest song when he says the earth has yielded its, in, its increase. In fact, the language here is a little bit tricky, but it seems to be a, either a past or a present tense, this idea of, uh, of the fact that God has been faithful to us or is being faithful to us in his provision, in his blessing to us now. But then it shifts to what we might consider to be something of a future tense. God 
our God shall bless us. And so it's a reminder again to first look back and remember how God has blessed, and then to look forward with great confidence in the knowledge that He, the unchanging God, is faithful to His promises. He does not renege on them. He does not make promises that He cannot fulfill, but rather He delights to continue to lead and guide His people in His way of plenty. We know that even what this psalm is talking about ultimately finds its fulfillment in Christ himself. And we who are in Christ, those of us who know him, we look forward to that soon and coming day of his return. We look forward to that. We know that it will come because indeed we look back and we see that God's promises are always faithful. And we look forward in the certain knowledge that he will fulfill that promise that Christ himself will return just as we saw him go. So he will return on the very clouds of heaven. And that just as this psalm ultimately is talking about, in that day, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. In that day, all nations, tribes, and tongues will bow before him, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As the ultimate fulfillment of this, let all of the nations fear him. But even here, as the people of Israel sang this song, and even for us today, we are reminded in verse 7, once again, that the end goal of the blessings of God is the glory of God among the nations. So it is right that we would ask, how then has God blessed us? It's true, he's blessed us spiritually. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we are told in the pages of the New Testament. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 is a wonderful place for us to go and to remind ourselves of the fact that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. God has blessed us. God has blessed us with his word. Oh, when we spend time in this and he feeds and instructs us by his word, what a privilege we have. But it's not just for us. We heard uh, from 2 Timothy a little earlier on. In fact, that is our, our theme verse, if you like, for our ministry. It talks about uh, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses in trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. What's the idea there? Is that which you have received, make sure you pass on. It's that same idea, isn't it? We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed in order to pass it on that others might know, and as they know, they also might worship him. One of our locations, first time I visited there in the central Visayas region of the Philippines, we had been teaching for several weeks, these, this group of pastors, and on the very last day of the training, I was very surprised to see a whole other group of pastors arrive. And I know that they're not necessarily as time conscious as those of us from England are, where we like to be early for everything, but I figured that two weeks late was kind of late. <laughs> and so I, I, I asked one of the pastors that we were training, he said, no, 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 you don't understand. They speak a different language than the rest of us do. 
And so a few of us are going to stay behind and we're going to teach them what you've just taught us. Because they recognized that the blessing that they were receiving was not simply for them alone. We have been blessed spiritually. The Lord has blessed us materially and it is right that we would give thanks. Let's be honest, every one of us can think of things that we don't have. How much time do we spend thinking about the things that we don't have compared to praising God for those things that in his wisdom he has permitted us to have? Because did you know that the things that you don't have, that's in God's wisdom too. He has blessed us materially. And he has blessed us practically. He's given to his people. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's given gifts and skills. He's given abilities and abundant privileges. One of the things, as I close, is the fact that I live in Woodstock, Illinois, so not super far away, up near the Wisconsin state line. Uh, So in this whole area just a couple of hours from me and just a couple of hours from you in the greater Chicagoland area, did you know that there are five world-class evangelical seminaries? When I travel to Madagascar, I have pastors and leaders who travel a thousand kilometers to come to the training that I do. But they don't just travel a thousand kilometers, they travel 50 or 60 of those kilometers on foot just to get to the nearest road where they then wait until a truck comes along that they can then jump on the back of the truck and take that truck to the nearest town. And in the nearest town, they will then find a bus or a motorcycle that they will then take the rest of the way. And it will take multiple days each direction for them to get there, not because I'm such a great teacher, but because they have no other access to equipping in the Word of God. We have to recognize the fact that God has blessed us in so many ways, and we have to ask the question of what are we doing with all that God has blessed us with that the nations might also know and rejoice. He has blessed us relationally. We have so many blessings. The old hymn says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. Friends, I would just encourage you to be a blessing counter. I would encourage you to take an inventory, even perhaps later on today, to recount again the way in which God has been so gracious to you. Because you see, when we take an inventory of our blessings, it helps us to guard against robbing God of his glory. It reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes from him. It leads us to thanksgiving, and that thanksgiving leads us to worship, and that worship leads us to a greater sense of joyful contentment. Something that if you're anything like me, you have to keep on learning. And it challenges us to consider 
how we are using his blessings for the sake of our fellow believers, how we are using his blessings for the sake of our unbelieving neighbors, and how we are using his blessings for the sake of the nations. I don't know, I don't have a good answer for this, but maybe it's something that each of us could even seek the Lord over. Lord, when I think of the home that you have given me, how would you have me use this home that my unbelieving neighbors might come to know of your glory? God, how would you have me use this car that you have entrusted to me in such a way that somehow the nations might praise you? You know, I believe that as we seek God with a question like that, with a heart like that, that he would teach us to not only find greater joy in his blessings, but that's a prayer that he would take seriously, that he would teach us in counting our blessings to use them for the glory of his name. Why does God bless his people? God blesses his people so that all the nations may know and praise him. And so my prayer for us is that the Lord would bless us and keep us, that the Lord indeed would make his face to shine upon us, lifting up his countenance toward us and granting us peace, and that as he does, our lives would resound in praise to him in such a way that the nations would see it. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, we are so thankful that you have been so kind to us, that you have blessed us. Indeed, Lord, we thank you for the blessing that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to glory in that salvation and rejoice in it. And should there be any here, even under the sound of my voice this day, who do not know the joy of that salvation, that by your Holy Spirit, that you would draw them. Father, teach us to see the good things that you have lavished upon us and give us hearts that are quick to praise you for them. Forgive us for when we take things for granted. Forgive us for when we seek to keep the glory for ourselves. I pray for my life and for each one of us gathered here that you would teach us to use that which you have entrusted to us for our own enjoyment, but also for the blessing of others, that we would not keep your blessings to ourselves, but just as, as Timothy was instructed, that which had been entrusted to him, he was to pass on. So, Lord, would you teach us to know how to take that which you have entrusted to us and use it for the sake of the nations. Lord, you are good. You are kind. 
your mercy endures. And Lord, as we continue to walk in you, may we be found faithful until that day when your glory does indeed cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.